Hello, sweet ones, and welcome to the Soul Medicine Podcast. I am your host, Liz Nerland, and I have created this space to nourish you with guided meditations, to support your healing journey with Reiki practices, and to inspire, lead, and teach developing healers and intuitives. I invite you now to breathe deeply, to open your mind, to expand your heart space, and to call your soul to rise to the surface as you settle in to receive these offerings. Let's get started. So hello, hello, sweet ones, and welcome back to the Soul Medicine Podcast. Today, I am so excited to be, for the first time ever, bringing on a special guest. Uh, A few weeks ago, I, on my Instagram page, asked what people wanted to learn more about, and there was this overwhelming need for more information about healing uh, the pelvic floor and the womb space after having children. And I was like, this is not my specialty. I, of course, have my own postpartum journey and and recovery that I went through, but I was in no way feeling equipped to speak on the subject. And a mutual friend and mentor, Robin Savage, uh, reached out and said, you have got to talk to Susie Zobrist. She is amazing. And so Susie is here today and she is a pelvic floor practitioner and mentor, um, but much different than what I have seen in the past as pelvic floor care because you bring in elements of sexuality and ritual and yoga and bodywork and ceremony and so it is when i first reached out to you you just absolutely blew my mind and it resonated so much everything that you were saying so i am so excited to have you here today susie and uh yeah i would love if you maybe just want to share how you got into this line of work and we'll go from there. Oh, wonderful. I'm so happy to be here. It's just been such a, a treat for me to make this connection with you and to be able to share just the, the wisdom and the knowledge of this area of the body with, with your people. I really mm. uh, feel very honored. So thank you for that. Oh, uh, and I, um, when I was 30 years old, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And so my journey to motherhood looked very different than many people's. And, uh, and so, you know, it's like, I wasn't able to get pregnant. And then that led me to the discovery of having cancer. And then that then led to having a radical hysterectomy. And so then it left me with um, a lot of disconnect and numbness and uh, uh, trauma and wounding in my womb space. And at that time, this has been now more than 20 years ago, believe it or not. Uh, There wasn't a lot of, um, I certainly didn't get any care from my primary care providers, my medical doctors, the oncologists. And so I had to really find my own way and my own healing. And this is really what I've come to discover is that really the healing is within us. And then, uh, but sometimes we need, you know, support along the way. It's like, that's why people are coming to your podcast is because they're 
you know, maybe they're looking or seeking for inspiration. And that's part of why you've invited me here is because we want to continue to learn and grow and kind of gather the, the tools or the medicine that are going to like light us up and help us on our way. And so that started my journey. And I really think of that uh, the loss of my womb is like that initiation into this work. And it's really been an ongoing study for me. And it's like, it always starts with me, meaning that everything that I have learned and studied over these uh, past 20 years has been to help deepen my own healing and my own understanding of my body and how to support it. And then from there, just like the, the spirit of me always wants to share what really works. And so I've been a, a long time educator, you know, starting with yoga. Oh gosh, back in 1999, I started teaching yoga. It's been a long a journey. I know that you've been teaching a long time too. And um, just like that, that love and that enthusiasm of the body, this magnificent body and how, you know, how can I uh, tend to my own body and then how can I you know, help guide and teach others to kind of come home to their own as well and so that's what led me uh, on this journey and then you know through all of that I got to study so much like I have like really you know went into pelvic care is what I call it but that's really learning about the anatomy and then you know how to remediate scars um, that are held in this particular area. And that might be from surgeries or, you know, cesarean births, or um, we're talking about birth today, right? So it might be tearing uh, during childbirth. And also then it's like, okay, well, um, you know, a lot of postpartum care. And then was like, well, this whole area is like the, like the home of our creation and our sexuality. And so, you know, dove into there, became a sexological body worker. And uh, so, and you know, lots of hands-on modality. It's what I've been doing primarily is doing hands-on work and teaching. Um, and so really excited to, you know, share and, and see what kind of, um, there's some good knowledge that I might bring here to your listeners today in the kind of like, well, after you give birth, what's next, right? Because there's lots that happens in the pelvis and in the, in the pelvic space, um, after, you know, during pregnancy, birth, and, and then afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of us probably have that similar experience where our primary care providers aren't maybe giving us a, a really holistic experience. And especially after birth, most of the attention now shifts to the infant. And mom is like, what is going on down here? What is my new relationship with this body, my relationship with my partner and sexuality in general. Um, yeah, and I love that you have walked this path and integrated so many practices because it allows you to shorten that time for the rest of us because it is, you're, you're kind of walking through the dark. There's not a lot of information out there and it's hard to find and there's a lot of elements of shame and things around our womb space. And I think a lot of people are afraid to even ask, you know, or, or dysfunction is normalized. Yeah. It's normal to pee your pants when you jump. 
I don't want to pee my pants when I jump for the rest of my life, right? So that may be normal, but it's not necessarily a sign of health. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and this is part of, you know, what I'm seeing is that um, the kind of care that we're receiving postpartum is, uh, I want to say it's lacking, but it's... Um, there's some things that were taught like, well, just do kegels or yes, like you were saying, it's normal to pee your pants after birth. And it's like, well, yeah, it's, it's common, but it doesn't mean that it's normal. Yeah. So, and it also doesn't mean that that's how it's going to be for the rest of your life. And so that's where, you know, what we want to look at and what we want to talk about. Mm -hmm. One thing that I wanted to note too, uh, for your listeners is that I am, I am a mother and, um, I ended up, uh, I ended up adopting, uh, my daughter from Guatemala and that's like a whole, you know, another story, but I had a very different postpartum time than someone who had a biological child, but I also took myself through that postpartum time and, you know, took care of my body. I had, you know, different, different issues in my womb and pelvis and, you know, pelvic space than, you know, someone who had a biological child, but just wanting to make a note uh, of that as well. And in, in this, um, in our time together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that I want, wanted to um, just kind of start with is you know, this is a, a, a listening experience and I love to bring in, you know, like imagery and models of what the body looks like so that we can better understand. But the, we're talking about the pelvis and this space, the, the muscles that attach to the bones of the pelvis are oftentimes called the pelvic floor. And really one of the things I want to say is it is a pelvic floor, but a floor feels really like hard and solid. And this is actually this, these muscles and the tissue is really a diaphragm. And a diaphragm is something that moves and has um, suppleness to it. It's like we have our respiratory diaphragm that we can feel as our lungs feel that diaphragm is moving. And that pelvic diaphragm held there at the, really at the base of your spine, uh, at the root of your torso, also has buoyancy and suppleness and movement. And so every breath you take and you know, the movement that you're doing, that diaphragm is there uh, supporting you. It's when things get tense, tight, rigid, restricted, that then all of a sudden we start having more challenges in this space. When you have birthed a child, whether it's vaginally or through a cesarean birth, and even just a pregnancy in itself is going to impact the tissue of that diaphragm. You had the weight of the baby, you had the, you know, the, the journey of the baby earth side, however that happened. Uh, and then on top of that, we have a life. We have our past experiences that we hold in this body. We have our birth experiences, whatever they looked like. And then we have like, you know, to be a new mother, we've never maybe done this before. 
And so then there's all of, you know, like, like societal pressures and, you know, all the ways that we as mothers or, or, or parents want to do right by our children. So it creates a tremendous amount of pressure in this area, this place of our root and our foundation. And, um, and so uh, to be told that to just do kegels, which is a pelvic diaphragm contraction might actually not be what you need. That might be adding to pressure, tension, uh, constriction that's already there. And so part of, you know, one of the first things that I encourage is we actually want to bring more ease in to the mm -hmm. tissue, ease into our nervous system, ease into our own like thoughts and ideas about how we should be doing, doing life, you know, taking care of our children, our households, our work, all of the things that we do, we need more ease in our lives. And so, you know, I, I like to teach, uh, you know, breath work because that's for me as a yoga teacher and just what I have found over the years, that's really what, that's an easy access point is to breathe and start to bring in a little bit more ease um, into this tissue. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that you said that because I think that is a huge misconception is we think that we just need to strengthen the pelvic floor, right? And and that can lead to its own problems. And it can actually lead to like a disconnect of being able to have any mastery over it. I love how you said it's it's a diaphragm and it needs suppleness. It needs to, I almost have this visual of it like moving like a breath right and so it's not a concrete floor <laughs> that's not the goal and so just even just that imagery just kind of redefines what we're working with and yeah linking it with breath starting to get the mind back into the body and even just awareness landing into the womb space yeah so every muscle in the body i think about it for uh for tone is more a word that I would use instead of, mm. we could strengthen, yes, uh, but I think of it more as tone because the, the really the health of the body and the muscles are, it's the muscle's ability to fully relax and contract, that's tone. And so if a muscle is yeah. held in tightness or restriction, um, then it actually can be uh, quite weak, right? And so then, when you jump on a trampoline or you sneeze or cough, the muscles are already held tight. And so then they're being asked in that moment to, you know, support all of the organs above, which, you know, are the bladder and the uh, rectum and the uterus, the uterine tubes, fallopians, cervix, all of that space mm -hmm. there, the womb space. The muscles then are not able to contract. They are fatigued. They've already been contracted. And so then, you know, urine can slip out. Uh, and so this is why I'm saying is that really one of the first steps is we want to bring ease and relaxation and help these muscles remember how to soften. That's where that you were talking about the movement. That's where the movement can be restored. There's not much movement in contraction. It's, it's more like a attention. And so then we can bring that. Um, it, it is very much like a trampoline. You were talking about that jumping on trampoline, right? And so that ability <laughs> to move up and down. And when there's a load, 
like a sneeze, a cough, a jump, then we've got the ability to contract. Beautiful. So I'm seeing already this kind of reframe from strength in the pelvic floor to toning the pelvic diaphragm. Yes. Very different, you know, understanding of what we're working with. Yeah, definitely. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just another piece to add here is just thinking about like when you've given birth, the tissue down there, I want to put down there in quotation marks, <laughs> might look different than what it did before baby. And so I feel like too, this is part of uh, just something to, to do is to take that time and get a mirror and really take a moment and to look at your tissue again, to look at your vulva, to look at your vagina and really greet it with like fresh eyes, if you will. And this tissue is, I kind of think of it, it's like we each have our own unique flower and they all look different. And sometimes, um, you know, being in a vulva bodied, uh, to be a vulva bodied person or a womb bodied person, we, we may not have seen a lot of other others um, flowers. And so we don't really know what again is normal. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> uh, getting familiar with yours and really bringing in kind of like this reverence and this respect, and then also refamiliarizing yourself after birth, because things might look quite different. Then there also may have been some damage to the tissue, meaning that through the birth, um, things had to really stretch wide to pass ahead. And maybe there was tearing or, um, and, or maybe there, it was a cesarean birth. And so then there's scar tissue that can get laid into this tissue. And it might be scar tissue in the vulva vaginal space, but it might be scar tissue if it's a cesarean birth that's up in the belly and uterus space. Uh, and these adhesions, the scar tissue, can also impact what's going on for you in your pelvic diaphragm space, can impact how much feeling and sensation you have in these areas. Their uh, adhesions can create pulling, uh, places of tension, uh, pain. And so if you are experiencing these types of things and you might be um, suspicious or maybe you know that you have adhesion, this is another one of the places that, that I really feel gets missed and needs to be tended to. It's like, we wanna start, again, this is like that suppleness of the tissue. We want to start bringing in self-massage to these places where there's been restriction through either it's adhesions or scars or, you know, whatever it might be. And so, you know, there's ways to do that, but just wanting to bring that here because it, it, again, it's something that gets missed. Yeah. Are there general guidelines uh, that you would put out for someone who wants to do self-massage to break up some of those adhesions, some of that scar tissue? So whether they're working on um, a cesarean scar or a trauma 
in or around the birth canal, what would that look like for someone? How would they start? And, and is there things that they might want to avoid that could potentially be harmful? So if you've had a, uh, you really want to wait 12 weeks after birth before you do any kind of scar tissue remediation. Because when there's a bend, a wound, we want the body to have a chance to repair and lay down those adhesions. That's yeah. ultimately what's happening here. After the 12 week time period, then we can begin to come in. And, and if it's been years since you've given birth, it doesn't matter. You can still come in and tend your, your scar tissue. Now, the thing with the scarring is that it travels along the connective tissue or the fascia in the body. And so you might have a, a, a scar, say it's a cesarean scar that seems on the outside, like you'll see the, the scar. It might seem like it's just there, but just knowing that it's gone through layers of fascia and muscle and into organs, and then the adhesions in the healing process have um, kind of hooked into this whole network of fascia. And it can continue then to travel and grow and move through the body. So adhesions that um, are in the pelvis can impact other areas of the body much further away, like down the legs or up into abdominal, um, you know, the organs, the bladder, uh, up all the way up into, you know, your, uh, up into your neck for that matter, mm -hmm. right? And so this is one of the reasons why we want to uh, go in and begin to bring remediation. And so one of the main, um, there's lots of techniques, but one of the main tool that I use is castor oil. And so you can do castor oil hacks on the cesarean scar externally. And um, you can also bring castor oil um, to the scar or you were talking about to the birth canal, right? So any places that you have uh, scarring, adhesions externally, internally in this birth canal space, you can also bring that castor oil and start to massage. And um, I want to say like kind of tease the, the adhesions apart. Now the adhesion kind of feels like um, rough, uh, ropey, everyone's is going to be a little bit different. And so with your own touch, your own self-care, you can begin to make contact with those areas of adhesion. And I just think of it's like you're slowly unwinding, thinking about like when we have a knot, like in a shoelace or something, and you have to like kind of take your time mm. and, and work it a little bit, especially when it's really tight. And then all of a sudden it starts to loosen and then you can get that knot out. That's kind of how I think about with, um, with scars and adhesions is we want to start to slowly bring touch and not thinking that, oh, I'm going to unwind it all. You might unwind it all in one self-care session, but it might be multiple sessions. We don't ever want to like overdo the tissue. More is not better, right? We want to take our time with it. The other piece just to note is that the scars, our scars, wherever they are on our body, 
also hold like the memory or the experience that kind of gets embedded in there too. So if you've had difficult, challenging experiences in this space, maybe it's birth, but it might be other experiences that you've had. When you start to remediate, you might um, have memories or thoughts or feelings or emotions that arise. And so I just always say, you know, take your time. You are your own like safe home. And so just uh, if emotions come up, it's like be with them, acknowledge them, uh, might take a break <laughs> from doing the remediation, but really just, you know, don't be in a hurry. Again, this is where we kind of what I was started with is that we need more ease. So even with the remediation of any scars, working with that castor oil, your self-touch, we also want to take our time and bring ease in because that's part of what we're unwinding as well is, you know, it's really, it's, we're unwinding more tension. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I love that you are bringing that in. And in a very sort of masculine dominant society, we often do think more is better, faster is better, sooner is better. And that's not the case. First, we have to let the body physically heal. And then when we start with the remediation, I love how you are just making it a slower process and such a, like, I want to use the word mindful, but there's just a, a process of deep presence is what I'm understanding from you. Like you're not just getting in there, you know, with an elbow and working out a scar. It's like you are teasing out the tension. You are present to whatever's coming up, coming through you. Uh, in my work as well, same thing. Like our bodies, they hold memory, they hold emotion, they hold so much. And sometimes when there is a physical release in the body, you do have these like emotional releases or, you know, even like with an energetic release, all of a sudden you're feeling your body letting go of other things. And it's the mind and body are, you, you can't take them apart. The mind is in the body. The emotions are in the body. And so, yeah, the more it, I love the sort of holistic piece that you're bringing in. And I can't help but notice this reflective piece where it's like how what we are holding in our pelvic floor often can show up in how we show up in our life, right? And so it's this deep spiritual practice if you choose to move into it that way, not necessarily looking outside like, doctor, can you fix this? But actually like landing inside and being like, what do I need? How can I soften? How can I be present here? What do I need to process? So I just, I love how you are speaking about all of this and how it actually shifts the healing, as you said at the very start, to an internal state. You are healing yourself, right? And yes, we often need guides and support and that can speed up kind of the, the learning curve of like, I don't know what I'm doing, it, you know, having a guide, but ultimately it's, it's that human landing in their body and reconnecting with their ability to heal and their ability to reclaim that kind of wholeness and, and deep presence in their life. Yeah, absolutely. 
and thank you for bringing that is just so key. And it's kind of reminding me too of, especially when you're a, a new mom, but just a, a mother in general, um, we get, we just really give our all to our children. And especially, you know, when we're new to really wanting to do it right. And uh, we kind of sometimes put our own needs and our own self-care aside and we just give it all to our children. And then you might have multiple children. And so it's like, in some ways, then you're like putting off your life to when you have time, but then you, your time isn't going to look like it did before you had children. It'll never be that way again. Mm -hmm. And so we want to start um, bringing in little moments. Again, you know, this is, it, it doesn't have to be, oh, I'm going to take an hour to myself. <laughs> you might not have an hour for yourself, but there might be little moments when you can drop in, right? And it might be where you take a moment and you pause and you breathe and you might breathe into your heart, but you might breathe all the way down to your roots, to your pelvic diaphragm. It might be a moment where you just place your hands on your heart or on your belly and you just remember who you are and the sacredness in your, your big work right now, tending yourself, tending your family, right? And really this is part of that piece too where I feel like in the postpartum journey, you were, you were mentioning too that the, the focus goes on the baby, but it's really the tending of the mother because when the mother is thriving and is well cared for and has um, support, then she or they are able to give more to their children and to their families from a very um, resourced place. And so this is really, you know, kind of that reminder, you know, this conversation is that reminder that wherever we are on our life journey, whether we're a parent or not, we need to remember to give back to ourself and to, you know, these, and that's that presence, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Beautiful. And just wanting to acknowledge too, you know, what sparked in me listening to you share is the womb space, um, well, our whole body holds emotion and story, like, like you were saying. And then sometimes in, in you know, certain areas of the body can hold different kinds of emotions. And sometimes there might be great loss or grief that is held in the womb space. And it might be from um, losses that you have experienced in this space or um, choices that you needed to make for your own well-being, or maybe you've had a lot of uh, difficulty with menstrual cycle or with your own fertility, or, I mean, there's such a huge array of things that can, um, can go, I want to say go awry in this area. And, um, and then also the birth, maybe the birth, uh, there might've been places in the birth where it didn't go the way you wanted it to, or it ended up differently than you thought it was going to be, or there were places where you, um, maybe you felt like you uh, weren't able to advocate for yourself or you lost your power or there's regrets. I mean, 
the list is so long, right? Each of us has our own story. And I feel like that this is also when we're talking about pelvic diaphragm space, we want to address these things that get held here with gentleness and compassion and love. Uh, it's like we can't just, you know, think these things away. And so we want to take time uh, to go in and, and tend to these places. And so again, here's the presence where it maybe it's uh, time and breath and massage and, you know, just like kind of introducing again, your own awareness and touch back into this space and go, oh, wow, like I'm, I'm, I might be carrying some pain here. And there's other things, of course, that get, you know, held in this space too, but sometimes it's the pain and the difficulty that are, make it harder to kind of be present in this area of our body. Uh, and so I, I, sometimes I think about when we've had difficulty, I don't know, this might be kind of a funny way to think about it, but I think about like when we have to go pee, we take ourselves um, to an appropriate time and place to do our business. And so if we think about our trauma and our emotions, we don't have to just fall apart. Sometimes we do, right? And that's okay. <laughs> but we can also then create time and space for us to do our business, take care of things, right? Mm -hmm. Set ourselves up to have moment of presence and safety and ease to um, do some of this, I want to say remediation, right? Whether it's tending our womb, our emotions, our scar tissue, our breath, whatever it might be that we remember that it's we're worthy and that we can do this for ourselves and that it's essential. Yeah. Well, that just kind of blew my mind when you said that, like, imagine creating the time and space to tend to this so that you're not just waiting to that moment when you finally <laughs> crack and have a total meltdown, right? It's like if we actually made it a more consistent, you know, and using the washroom analogy, it's like, if you hold it for too long, it's going to come out wherever you are. <laughs> but if you can start making it a regular practice, like, oh, you know, maybe it is something that you create and schedule in time for, or maybe it's like, oh, I'm starting to feel off center. I need to book in that time with myself, right? And not because I know I do this all the time. And especially when my kids were small, it's like, just hold it together, hold it together, hold it together. Everything falls apart. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, what a revolutionary idea. What if we create the time and space for this, even if it's small, even if, you know, it's five minutes here, 10 minutes there. Um, another piece that I like that has been kind of going through as a thread is it's never too late to start this work, right? And sometimes, yeah, there is pain and there is heaviness and there's stuff that we're carrying that maybe in the midst of having a newborn, you're like, I actually can't open that right now because it's too full. But knowing that a year, two years, five years, 10 years, it does. there's no expiry date on when you can start doing this remediation and tending to yourself, that that opportunity is always there. Because I think sometimes we think, oh, well, I probably should have done that when they were six months postpartum and now everything's healed. So I'll just get on with my life. But that invitation for the healing is always there. 
it, it doesn't have an expiry date. Yes, absolutely. And when you have a newborn and a young child, man, you are just like on survival mode. It's like all hands on deck, you know, it's, yeah. it's so intense and there's always time to, you know, it's like, we're, we're going to find our, and I just want to say that, that, you know, this conversation isn't to in any way, make anyone feel bad about themselves or the choices that they've made. It's like, we all are on our own life journey and it's, uh, there's going to be moments when we can tend to ourselves with more time and care. And then there's other times when we're not going to be able to. And so we don't want to feel bad about it. Right. But this is very much about like living a balanced life. And when we swing too far one way or another in our self-care, then it's, you know, we, we want to kind of be aware of it and, and mm -hmm. bring ourselves back in these small ways. And I think about like the yoga teaching, the Dharma is like, you know, hit the middle or between the opposites lies the path. And it doesn't mean it's kind of like when we drive a car, we, we have to like pay attention and navigate, or we might move out of our lane. And then there's other things that are, you know, might be other people or <laughs> vehicles that are there. And so we just do our best to, you know, pay attention and guide and, you know, tend ourselves and our family and, and all of it in the best way that we can. And if we've gotten too far in one way or another, then we go, oh yeah, that it's that remembering. Yes. Ah, you know, and then you can, you know, start to bring in more care. Mm -hmm. And there's also layers to it. You know, it's like we, we might have certain um, uh, experiences or memories or emotions or adhesions, right? Whatever we want to call it that are in our body, our mind, our heart, our spirit. And, and uh, we might work at it for a while and then it brings us to a new level of healing. And then we kind of cycle back around and like, oh, I'm here again. I thought I took care of this. And it's like, yep, some things we come back around, but we're not in the same place. We're not the same people. We have a different view and perspective and a different wisdom and knowledge. And then we bring that, it's like the layers, the layers. And so never, you know, I'm always like, just like, don't be discouraged. This is kind of the, I think of it's, it's a healing journey. It might be a lifetime healing journey, you know? Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One piece I wanted to, to bring into just thinking about the pelvic diaphragm space is the intimacy. And I won't go in, you know, too much graphic detail here on the podcast, but, but just, thinking about, no. <laughs> yeah, just thinking about that, um, when you have grown a, a, a child in your womb and birthed that baby into the world, and then you're tending, but you've had a partner or you have a partner and they are part of that creation and they're like that primary, you know, and the, and the baby kind of is held there in, in the center of that. And it was through, um, and not for everyone. So I don't want to say this is how it is for everyone, but just thinking about that love between uh, 
in this case, if you're bringing a child into the world, it's going to be between a female and a male. There's lots of ways that families are formed. Um, and so this is uh, wanting to just be really conscientious of my languaging, not wanting to exclude any way that families are, are come together. But just thinking about your partner, so maybe I'll just take a step back and go, all right, when we're just talking about our partners in general, whoever your partner might be, and you've got a child there that you're tending, how do we begin to kind of come back into our own, I think of it as like our own pleasure and our own like connection to ourself and then to, uh, to another. And so this area, the pelvic diaphragm, you know, also holds a lot of tissue that can become engorged, aroused, and is pleasurable. And sometimes when we're busy and we've got a lot going on, we kind of get up into our heads. We're just like taking care of business. And so we don't really feel that spark like we did before. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like that, again, like this myth <laughs> that one day you're going to wake up feeling turned on or you're going to wait until you feel that spark again. I don't know that it, maybe some people it happens that way for them, but I feel like I look at our sensuality, our sexuality, like a fire that we want to tend to our fire. And if the fire has gone out, it's kind of like, then it's like trying to rub two wet sticks together to try to get that fire to go again. And it's like a lot of work and a lot of effort. And you might not want to put the time and effort into it, right? Take some time to get those wet sticks to spark again. But if we can continue to tend our own fire, and I don't think of it as fire for sex or intercourse, but the fire of your life force, the fire of your creation, your ideas, your passion for you first. If we tend to the fire, and that might look like, again, breath, presence, awareness, might be doing things that feel pleasurable for you, like a, a bath, a massage, a yoga practice, um, going out and visiting a friend, going on a hike, having tea. These things are pleasurable that stoke the fire. It doesn't have to be anything that's really um, erotic or sexy. Those are you know, realms that you could move into for sure. But we want to tend our fire. And sometimes the fire might be really stoked, big flames. And other times it might be like, you know, just like that, the low coals mm. of the fire but we want to remember to tend it. And if any of you have ever had or been around a fire, you know that you have to put wood on the fire, some kind of fuel, right? Mm -hmm. And so what is that fuel for you in your daily life that um, generates the, the, the pleasure for you? Because we can't just expect that when someone's in the mood or you think you should be, that the fire is going to be you know, stoked and ready to roll, right? And it's like insane. If you're wanting like, you know, to have lots of creative ideas, if you haven't been tending the fire, then you might, it might feel a little um, cold or dark <laughs> in the fireplace. 
right? And so this is where I think about our sexuality is more than just, you know, working with our, with the tissue for, um, how do I want to say, um, you know, for arousal, it's about what, you know, there's other ways to turn yourself on in your life. And so this is, I feel like with a partner, if you have a partner, we want to be tending this relationship as well. First, you doing things that make you feel good, and then starting to bring in connection with your partner in ways where you feel good together. So it might be holding hands or having conversations or um, sharing of responsibilities where you feel connection, really so connection with self, connection with the other. And then that's the tending of the fire so that you can kind of find your way back to more deeper intimacy in that realm. Mm. Yes, that's, I love that. So it starts with, with us keeping our fire alive, right? For ourselves, for our family, for that partnership. Mm. Yeah. And, and it can really be really prioritizing simple. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it is something that often, like you touched on before, just falls by the wayside. Oh, I'm serving, I'm serving, I'm serving, I'm serving. And like forgetting to stoke that fire. And then there's not going to be a lot left <laughs> for anything else. You're not going to feel that raging fire. Hmm. Yeah, life is, you know, really full. And so how do we weave in these moments, these pleasurable moments? And I think that another key piece to mention is that when you're doing something that you love to really remember and uptake how much you love it, because that's like the blowing on the flames of your fire, right? It's like, oh, I love, I love having a cup of tea. It's not just having a cup of tea. It's like, oh, I really love this. Yeah. And you get to kind of like bring it into the, to the whole of you, right? Yeah. And it's, as I said, it's simple moments. And um, these simple moments, what keeps the fire going so that if you're wanting deeper intimacy with yourself or with your partner, you already have an access point to it. It's like you already have connection to what you love and to pleasure in these small everyday moments. And then you can, you know, as I said, there's lots of um, tools and tips to, you know, stoke the fire bigger if you, you know, are interested in doing that. But sometimes we just need to like a, an entry point in. And so just in your everyday life, you know, bringing in those, those pleasurable moments. Mm. Yes. So if someone right now is like, this is what I need. <laughs> I'm disconnected from that pelvic diaphragm. I'm not sure where to start. Um, what kind of support would you be able to offer? Or like, what would that look like if they felt more like they need a guide? They need support in this. So if someone was going to come to you, what would that kind of look like? So there's a lot of different ways to, to work. And one of the things that you had mentioned at the beginning too was that when we're talking about the pelvic space, and this is going to include, you know, our sacred anatomy. And sometimes we just 
We don't know who to talk to about what's going on. Again, I want to say down there, right? It's yeah. maybe not something that you're going to talk to a friend about and, you know, maybe your partner, but it's, and we go to see our doctor, but sometimes with it, when we go to see our doctors, they, there's so many pieces that get missed there, you know, as we've been talking about, you know, like the breath and the scar tissue and, you know, just, there's lots of layers to it. And so, you know, part of what I offer is a safe space so that people can come and share their story, whatever that might be. It might be things from their past, might be from their birth. It might be thoughts, feelings, might be symptoms, you know, pain, difficulty. And so sometimes we just need a place for someone to listen and hold our story. All of us have a story. And so, you know, part of the work that I do is I, uh, I love to go deep with people. And so I like to have long, longer, longer containers with people. So I do offer sessions online and liking them to be, you know, uh, an hour, two, three hours where it's more immersive style so that I can hear your story and then help guide. And really my ultimate is, is that I can offer tools, uh, self-care techniques so that you can do the healing on your own. It's like we, it's like I'm here as a resource for you so that I can hear your story and kind of help guide you along the way. And the things that I share are offerings. So some might work, some won't. And I always bring in breath and movement and um, self-touch, or if you come, you know, we can do in-person work as well, but wanting to bring in, kind of go through the layers of the body. So online, we can do that. I also have my uh, Sacred Body School, which is an eight-week program where it's a group experience where you can come in with other folks that are on the journey, and we go through the layers together and go through the body so that you can learn different tools and techniques to really, I, I just feel like, you know, like tend your tissue, wake everything up again, help release pain, emotion, bring in, you know, that, that pleasure and that joy in again. And then I also, I live out on uh, Orcas Island in Washington state, and I have many, many folks that come travel to me and they stay and we do multiple day long, uh, I just call it ceremonial body work, where we have some days together to do this work together. And then I can really like physically tend to your tissue. And I, 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 again, you're hearing me, I like to take my time. And so that's why I like days because it's like, we can't just go right into um, where the pain is. It's like, we need to address the nervous system and the tissue and your emotions. And we need to take our time so that you can integrate it so that you can unwind might be long held pain and then bring in that, you know, that, that nurturance. And, um, and so, you know, people will come and they'll stay. It's like a retreat <laughs> and yeah. receive the care that they need in that way too. Yeah. Mm, that's amazing. It's just, so precious. Uh, I feel really honored to be witness to the stories. You know, as, as I was sharing at the, at the beginning, I felt like I was chosen for this work. I feel like that's me having 
ovarian cancer. It was like, I got initiated in, it's not like one day I woke up and I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to work on do pelvic care. I mean, <laughs> it didn't really work out that way, but here I am, you know, all these, it's like, as I said, 20 plus years later, and this is my calling is to tend to this area. And of course, it's not just the pelvis or the pelvic diaphragm, it's whole body, right? It's whole body, but really tending to kind of what shows up in this space. Wow. Well, I just love everything that you say. I feel like I could just talk to you for hours on end. Um, the way that you bring presence into the body, into the tissue, into, it's just, uh, it just really opens my heart, even just listening to you speak and just that invitation to gently unwind the tension and to come back is so powerful. I love your approach that it's not just clinical, that it is like so holistic, spiritual, psychosocial, all of it. Um, and, and even as you said, like tending those fires of your soul, keeping yourself turned on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for everything that you have shared today. And I just, yeah, like I said, I'm like, and I will definitely love to bring you on. There's so many pieces, little side streets that I would love to go down. Um, but I think this is a beautiful starting point for people to rediscover this area down there. No. <laughs> and yeah, I just so appreciate everything that you are sharing here. And um, in the show notes, I will link up your social handles and your website and just make sure that everyone can contact you if they want to go deeper in either a group or one-on-one -on -one container with you. Um, and yeah, I just would highly recommend it. You are so wise and so warm as well. I really, really appreciate you and the work that you are bringing into this world that you have, like you said, been initiated into, been called into. And there is such a big difference between someone who maybe is just reading a textbook and trying to apply it versus someone who has walked through these fires and can be like, I get it. I feel you. I see you. And I believe in you. I know there's more. And that's really something that I feel from you. So um, thank you. I'm so grateful to share you with my audience. Thank you so much. It was such an honor to spend this time with you and just to, you know, really share from my heart and you know, just blessings to you and to everything that you're doing and to all of the people that you are tending in your mm -hmm. life too. And just sending a lot of blessings out there to everyone who's listening to this today. So thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much, Susie.